Hey fans, we all love some good music. A variety of music. What if we could bring Chriswell Studios to you 24-7? That's a long work schedule. Maybe, but you know, we just might have it. The best variety of music for multiple decades live on your phone 24-7 with our Gay Orlando Live online radio station. Better known as Go Live. Download the TuneIn app and search for Go Live or go to ChristenWill.com for more info. Lots of new shows coming and holiday programming, so tune in! We're back! Yes, we are! Season 3 of What About Our Life, the amazing, universally recognized, and most talked about show. You can hear us on iHeartRadio, Google, Apple, Spotify, and now Amazon Music. For all the amazing information, links, and to hear our show online, go to our website at chrisandwill.com and follow us on Instagram at chris.and.will. And also follow us on Facebook under The Real Prince Charmings. What's this? What about our life? Is it that bad? No, what about our life with Chris and Will? Oh, the show that gets you talking. Yeah, and these two haven't stopped talking for three seasons. <laughs> Why shouldn't you give Elsa a balloon? <laughs> Why? Because she'll let it go. <laughs> okay, buddy. We're live. We clear? Three, two, one. My goodness, welcome back to another great season of What About Our Life with Chris and Will. Yes! OMG! I can't believe it's been three seasons. Oh, yes. Two previous seasons with 48 guests and still counting on our show. Wow, just wow, loving every minute of it. All because of you guys that we are so grateful for doing this. And, you know, we thank our amazing team, Mm -hmm. of course, the many platforms that showcase our talent, like iHeartRadio, Google, Spotify, Apple, and now we welcome Amazon to our family, plus many others. So thank you all. Thank you. Thank you. And you know, for season three, starting off, we've got an amazing episode for you. Uh-huh. And you know, it's been a trying time for the year, of course. <laughs> and here yeah. in Florida, things are starting to come back to normal or been trying to come back to normal. And part of it is, of course, the amazing Disney vacation. So we are talking all about Walt Disney World again, because we talk about Disney World a lot. Uh, Yeah. We really, really, (laughs) really do. So why would this episode be no different? Of Mm -hmm. course, it's not going to be any different. Yeah. Well, here, let's go into it a little bit. So Walt Disney World opened on October 1st of 1971. Wow. 25,000 acres. Ah. It was announced in 1965. The what it was called the Village Marketplace, which is now called Disney Springs, right? Um, opened in 1975. Ah. River Country, which is no longer there, yeah. opened in 1976. Really? Epcot opened in 1982. Yeah. Grand Floridian and Caribbean Beach, just to name a 
few of the resorts. Opened in 1988. Really? Oh, okay. Yes. Wow. And of course, I helped open the 1998 Park of Animal Kingdom. That's right. Yeah. Yep. 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 Experience yep. there. Mm -hmm. 1971 Magic Kingdom, the Palm Magnolia Golf Course, Contemporary yeah. Resort, Polynesian Resort, and the Fort Wilderness Resort and Campground all opened. At, not at the same time, but it opened in the same That's right. year. It wasn't the of original. The original name was Polyne Polynesian Village. Village. Right. It is named that now. They brought that name back. That's actually. right. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Then in 1989, they opened MGM Studios, which is now Disney's Hollywood Studios. Will yeah. always be MGM. It'll Studios. always be Disney. And that Disney same Studios, year, yeah. Typhoon Lagoon yep. and Pleasure Island, which is no longer there. Oh, you know what I'm thinking uh, of the fireworks and yes. the, the nightly stage show. Pleasure yeah. Island closed in 2008. Really? Actually. I thought it was yep. earlier than that. Wow. I did too, but nope, 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 nope. The pandemic was its first ever official year-long closing mm. now now you know they've closed for hurricanes but i was thinking that yeah yeah generally it's only a few days if it's only that a few days if that mm -hmm. i mean gosh they would we always be last minute on opening i mean closing the parks for hurricanes pandemic they've been closed for months they've reopened uh as phased opening uh -huh. and so forth so here you know what We've gone and we've been. Yes. We're annual pass holders. Uh -huh. We have enjoyed so many different things at Disney. Of course. And I will tell you this. Even from the beginning when they came back in operation in July, they did a wonderful job. And they're still doing a wonderful job keeping social distancing. Uh, they do require masks. Yes. And the cleanliness. Yes, absolutely. They are definitely enforcing that. So mm -hmm. the reviews is... In my opinion, you know what? It's safer to go to the theme parks right now than it is to go to Walmart. I agree. And, you know, the interesting thing is, is this whole social distancing thing. And the verbiage that is used is physical distancing that they use yeah. um, and the signage, right? And yeah. I, I, the reason why I bring that up is because when I hear social distancing, I'm like, so what, I'm not supposed to say anything to anyone? Yeah. Whereas physical distancing, you know, it's like, all right, you know, the six feet apart, two meters apart for internationals. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, and you know, it, 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 there's so many debates about it. And the thing of it is, you guys, if you don't live in Florida, then you really need to kind of come out here to experience it for yourself before you make a judgment. Of course, yeah. To be honest, the parks are an amazing experience right now. You may not be getting the full Disney experience, mm -hmm. but you're getting the experience like you'll never get before. I mean, the lines for some of these attractions are very <laughs> minimal at that. I mean, we got on, we've been getting on rides that we normally would not get on because they are hours of wait. Yeah. And, and here we get on them and then we're able to get back in line again and redo it all over again. So, yeah. I mean, yeah, we've managed to be able to do all the new attractions that are, of course, open. And so it's worth the experience. It's worth the investment. It's, you know, they have a lot of different deals out that you should check out, mm -hmm. of course. And there's been a lot of a lot of things happening. And and let me tell you, um, you know, we we have debated with ourselves many a times to address it. And, you know, I'm just going to say this. Disney has always been part of our family. We've done a lot of work with Disney. We have a lot of family members 
that we call family members that are really great family members to us that have worked for Disney that mm -hmm. still do. Yeah. And it it's heartbreaking in a sense when you hear that those particular cast members that have been there for 40, um, 40 something years mm -hmm. are just let go. Yeah. It's normal corporate companies. Unfortunately, it is. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of cast members that are called cast members or employees. If you yeah. don't know, there are a lot of them that are lost. Oh, yeah. They have seen nothing but Disney. Mm -hmm. Disney was their dream job. Disney was their safe house, their safe haven yeah. in many ways. Mm -hmm. But the thing of it is, is my my biggest concern is, is for our fans and our audiences care for those that you maybe not know, but, but care for, send out good vibes to the cast members that, yes. uh, that Disney and even at Universal, all the theme parks in Central Florida, because these people woke up every day tirelessly. They really didn't get paid a lot um, just to make your dream experience at the parks wonderful. Yeah. They gave your family an experience of a lifetime. They worked hard to do it. And right now they are crushed. They are devastated. They're lost. Mm -hmm. They're panicking. They don't know what to do. They don't know what to think of because right now very few information is out there for them to take. Yep. And, you know, understand it's very hard to live in Florida when you don't have a paycheck coming in. Yeah. Um, it, things are very, very expensive. We are very fortunate in our life and what we've done. So we are doing our part in helping them and coaching them as much as we yes. can. Yes. So we need the world to send out some great vibes. Yes. And let's, you know, let's go into some vacation memories. Why is Disney so important? That's the biggest thing. You know, I think it's not only an escape, but you, you're, I don't want to say you're not in the real world, but you're going in. You're going into a fantasy land. You're going into a place where your worries are gone. You're just doing what you want to do, and it's fine. It's creativity. Yeah. I mean, it really is. It's imaginative. It brings you into a place that, you know, you never thought you'd go into. And yeah. it, bam, you're alive with it, you yeah. know? Mm -hmm. I remember even as a kid, we would go to the 15th anniversary, and the castle float, and we brought this up, I think, in season one. The, there's a castle float that they used in the 15th anniversary that was in the 80s. And do you know they still use that float in the parades today? Mm -hmm. And the funny thing of it is, is I got the experience to perform on that float as an adult. And I saw that float as a child. And the same thing with the Main Street Electrical Parade. I watched that parade as a child, loved that parade as a child, and got to perform in that parade as an adult. That to me was like goal central. Yeah. It was living out your past and living out your vintage side, mm -hmm. nostalgia, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And bringing it alive. And, you know, the funny thing was, is getting a job at Disney was very difficult. Mm -hmm. um, you had, it was an all day interview process, at least for me, you were in yeah, entertainment. I was, it was a little different, but the audition was really long. The auditions are, are a little bit different. The auditions are a little longer. There's a lot. No, it was really there. long. Like, cause I was still in high school at the time and it was 11 o'clock and I had to go to school the next morning at like seven in the morning and they were still going. It's like, um, I kind of need to go home, <laughs> you know, oh, yeah. but no, uh, <laughs> the, the interview process, I remember because I came from Louisiana my sister and I uh, had drove to visit Disney on during spring break, my senior year of high school. And the interview process, she walked in there, she asked the lady, she goes, 
I dropped my brother off here and that was like four or five hours ago and I haven't heard from him. And of course this was before cell phones. Yes. yes. We didn't have cell phones back then. Uh And they go, well, if he's been gone that long, then that means that uh, he got the job. So he'll be there for a couple hours, six, seven, eight hours later. (laughs) I finally managed to get in touch with her and find her. And you know, the rest of course was history. So it was a long, long process. And you know, Speaking of the pandemic in such a little way, the thing of it is they used to, you used to have to go see the nurse before you That's got, right. Yeah. You, you were required yeah. to see the nurse as part of your hiring process. Uh-huh. Yep. So they can't, they kind of did take the health measures a little bit serious back then. I don't know how they did it prior to this pandemic, yeah. but, um, but in any sense, uh, so I do remember that of course, animal kingdom opening. I remember that there's uh-huh. a lot of memories with that. I would have to say the longest wait time that we've ever been on, hmm. God, hmm. was uh, <laughs> Flight of Passage in Pandora. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Okay, so not only was it long, but, but it got the, longer. It got longer. The air conditioner went out while we were waiting in line. Then there weren't any announcements that the um, that the attraction no, uh, wasn't operating. We had we were fanning ourselves, and the people that were behind us and around us were fanning. We were all fanning yeah. each other. <laughs> we were getting wind from people we didn't even know. <laughs> I mean, this was just like, wow. Okay, well, thank you for fanning me. Keep fanning me. We were all sweating. Yeah, I'm gonna tell you, social distancing couldn't happen there because we, yeah. we were all giving each other some air. And I know <laughs> that sounds weird, but you know what? You get closer and closer to a perfect stranger when you guys are all sweating the same way. It it, it was just no airflow. Yeah, you, no, yeah, it yeah. was not pretty. We love to people watch them. Yes, yes, we do like to do yes. that, and we do like to walk. Yeah, as annual pass holders, the biggest thing, at least before the pandemic, we would go to Epcot just to walk. Yeah, just to walk, and uh-huh. rarely would we get on rides. Mm-hmm. But you can, because I know when you go on World Showcase, that's a mile, that's a half a mile right there. Yeah. Walking the whole World Showcase is a half a mile. So when you add the rest of it, you're pretty much doing a whole mile in the park. Yeah. So we do that a lot mm-hmm. over there. Disneyland versus Disney World. All right, here's a good one. Disney World obviously is bigger. Disneyland is much more themed. Yeah. And of course, it is the original. So yes. I always say the, the best experience you want to have overall with Disney is going to be to visit both Disneyland and Disney World. Yes, yes. What I love about Disneyland is the Pirates of the Caribbean ride is longer. And um, the Haunted Mansion over there, um, you actually go through the front door to go into the attraction rather than at yep, Walt Disney absolutely. World. Um, it's different. Absolutely. And, you know, again, I've said this many, many times. Working for Disney is different than playing at Disney. Yes, yes. But you do learn a lot. They do teach you a lot. That I think a lot of the experience that we have doing our own company and even doing this show, we gained from that. Yes. And we gained from them. So I would always recommend in saying, hey, look, if you want to know how to grow in your career, Get a shot and try it at Disney. And when we say grow, don't think it's be like, oh my gosh, sprinkles, you know, I'm going to grow. No, there are going to be some tough spots where you're going to be like, seriously? And then you're going to say, wow, I did that? Oh, and then you're going to have your own stories like, you know, I had to do this, this, and this, and this all by myself. And you're going to be glad that you did. You absolutely will. Like I said, this wasn't a bitch session. 
Um, please don't think of it that way. Um, as a normal guest and a normal human being, you're going to have your frustrations. But at the end of the day, you guys, Disney has done a wonderful job uh, reopening for since the pandemic started and continuing to do that. So we're very happy with that. We have a lot of great memories with the company. Obviously our entire apartment is themed Disney in every little way. Mm -hmm. So, you know, everybody has some great Disney moments and memories, and we're going to continue that because today on our show, we've worked for him. We've known him for a little while. Mm -hmm. He is a former Walt Disney world executive Dan Cockrell is going to be with us today. Yay! He has got an amazing book that's out. We love it. It's yes. signed. Yes. Wonderful, wonderful book. It's called How's the Culture in Your Kingdom? Hmm. Very interesting read. And you know, the thing of it is, is we've worked for his father just as much as we worked for him. Yeah. So we, we've known that family for a long while. He's had over... 20-something years of experience. He started in 1991 to 1996 at the Disneyland Paris management team. Wow. Hmm. Yes. He was a VP at Magic Kingdom from 2015 to 2018, as well as um, 2011 to 2015 at Hollywood Studios, hmm. and from 2009 to 2011 at Epcot. That's right, where yeah. I know him more Yeah, yeah. Epcot. I know him, his father more, I think, from Animal Kingdom and Studios, yeah. I think. Uh -huh. I'm not quite sure on that. But he's done a lot of storytelling ability experience as a keynote speaker. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And he's got some really great ethics and viewpoints. And, and you know, and he has done some wonderful stuff for cast members yes. since this pandemic. Uh -huh. And done a lot of great coaching. And, you know, we all value the same thing with as, as the company just as much as a lot of people who has had an experience with Disney working and outside of working. Mm -hmm. So we are very excited to have him on the show Yay! and talk to yeah. him and, you know, get to know him a little bit better. So sit back, relax. We're going to go through Disney again with Dan Cockrell. Chris and Will introducing you to an amazing getaway. For the first time, we both treated ourselves to a day of pampering. If you're in the Tampa, Florida area, then please make sure to treat your own self to a day like we did at Spa Nirvana, a sanctuary for face and body, a spa day for men and women. The staff is so friendly, the place is clean, looks amazing, and the best of it, they're following the safety guidelines during these current times. Truly a professional environment. The cost isn't bad neither. Make your appointment today. Imagine a day where you can get the most incredible stress-free relaxing massage, body work, facial rejuvenation, and microdermabrasion. They have so much more to offer, including their signature facial services, including an aluminum oxide-free crystal microdermabrasion facial, the lifting facial of mature skin, and the most comprehensive, purifying, deep cleansing facial. Plus, you just can't beat the environment of soothing music healthy snacks and drinks, and you just have to see it for yourself. Guys, it's totally worth it. This is a weekly thing for us now, and I can't wait to go again. This is a Chris Will Highly recommendation. SpaNirvana.com is the website. You can go to ChrisandWill.com for the link as well. Spa Nirvana, 811 Court Street, Clearwater, Florida, 33756. Call 727-447-7546 to make your appointment today. Services are by appointment only and they are filling up fast. 
So treat yourself, your inner self, to a vacation day at Spa Nirvana. We are honored to welcome to our season three premiere, a former Walt Disney World executive, Dan Cockrell. So yeah, so I, I would have to say I've been a part of, somewhat a part of your family for a good while. Good while. Right, right. Well, we have a funny story about Animal Kingdom because at the time they opened, and I'm sure you remember Bob Lamb was yes. the vice president there. Uh-huh. And um, so my dad would come walk the park with Bob and they would look at stuff. And um, so at one point, Bob's office called me. And I think, gosh, that was, I was probably an operations manager. I forget where I was, but I was maybe working in resorts. Anyway, Bob said, We'd like to, we're doing a video for a, a, a retreat and uh, Lee's coming to walk the park. And we want to see if we can borrow you and your son. And so our, our son at the time was probably six. I mean, he's 24 now. But um, they, we went into Bob's office. Bob wasn't there. They filmed it afterwards. But basically, um, it starts out and they're filming, they're, they're filming Bob talking. Uh, behind his desk and you can't see who's talking to it. He says, yep, Mr. Cockrell, you're right. If you make the kids happy, the adult, the parents will be happy. And they pan around and it's true. And Julian, who's six years old, sitting on the other side, he goes, that's right, Bob, make the kids happy. And then they played this video with music to the background of like Tarzan of uh-huh. our son in the park. And I'm like, this is such a, you know, this is such a bribe. You, you bring in your boss and you show him his grandson. It's like, of course, you're going to have a good walkthrough. So yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. By the way, this is Will. Mm-hmm. How are you, Dan? Good. How are you today? I'm doing excellent. Thank you for asking. Good. Yes. Good. good. So what's your, what's your background? You guys are partners here. Partners we, in crime on doing this podcast? We are. Yes. We're a partners in crime of everything because we've met at uh, we met at Disney. That's correct. Yes. Um, our whole life has been around Disney mm-hmm. and got engaged at Disney. Yeah. Wow. Yes. Yes. Good. Actually, um, so yeah, Chris and I met at the Contemporary Resort, and uh, I uh-huh. actually worked for the Walt Disney Company for quite a few years. Um, it's interesting because, um, you know, of Steamboat Willie. Well, my nickname is Willie with an I-E, so I thought that was pretty funny, yeah. too. And um, I've worked in numerous areas, but particularly more so the entertainment areas of the resorts right. of, for Magic Kingdom and then in Magic Kingdom itself. Um, right. And, of course, you know, our pal Mickey, you know, gotta love him, so... Uh, yeah, yeah, we've been pals for quite a while, so yes, it's very interesting. Very cool. <laughs> yes, it's been an exciting journey. Our life really revolves around uh, the Walt Disney Company, as you can be familiar yep. for yourself. So, you know, sure. now that uh, we've, I don't want to say we've moved on, but uh, we have found ourselves since we've left the Walt Disney World section that we've been doing a lot of great work, even with Disney, but on a different in a different way with Disney and it's okay. just been, it's been phenomenal with, especially with this show. Uh, we've had some amazing people, including, um, Raleigh Crump. Do you remember the legendary Raleigh Crump? I remember, I know the name. I mean, we never met, but yeah. Yes. He was on our show and uh-huh. we've become very good friends with him and his wife, and we learned a lot about uh, how he created It's a Small World and 
you know, some of the legendary stuff with Walt Disney himself. So we've had Very some cool. really great conversations with some people. And yes. so this kind of adds to it. So it, it's, we're really excited Excellent. and we thank you so much for being on this show. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, no, thanks for having me. I love, uh, I love talking to people. This is great. Oh, Absolutely. Good. Well, yes. good. Well, I mean, like I said, you, you and I have, well, all three of us together in some little way, we share a great historic past. Mm -hmm. And, right. you know, it's interesting because, um, back when, again, I haven't been back to, to that part of Disney since for years. So I'm sure yeah. it's changed, but it was like, um, your office at Epcot there was a hallway, if I'm not if I'm not mistaken, that wrapped around it, and on this hallway they had painted murals. Do you you know what I'm talking yeah. about? Yeah. Yes. Sure. And sure. so that would be my way of getting to work. Now I could have gone straight away through the doors and gone the normal way, but I would always go down right. that hall simply because every time I started my day, you guys had they had music playing. I want to say I want to say they had uh, Figment's voice. Had like a motion sensor, so when he went by it, there was yes. like I don't know, it was pixie dust or something happened. Yeah. Yes, absolutely, and that would be the start of my day. And I did that every single day, and everybody laughed at me when I would come in with people, and they're like, "Why are you going this way? It's too long." I go because this is this lets me know that I'm not going to work. This lets me know I'm going somewhere yeah. else, and you know. That's great. So it was fascinating. And the one thing I loved about your style of leadership was the amazing open door policy. And I loved that. Mm. Though you and I never actually got to physically, I'm sure we did encounter each other at some point, but though I ne sure, never sure. actually went into your office, I passed by it. And the fact that, um, you know, you came with such a great reputation of being there for the cast. And I commend you for that. Because that's, that's great to hear. Yeah, I was, I was, uh, that's what I loved about that job, you know, working to just be with people. That's people ask me, do you miss business? Well, I definitely don't miss all the meetings and all the bureaucracy and all that, but I miss the people being out with people every day. So uh, I'm always looking to find that's, people to talk to. Yeah. We say the same thing mm -hmm. that we, we tell people every day when they ask us and we go, you know, we love Disney. Disney's a great company. Um, but our days with Disney have passed. There's a lot of politics within the company, and we just have kind of grown mm -hmm. out of it. But the one thing when we watch some of your speeches online and reviewing through your book and everything, the one thing that we share the most is the, the mentality behind working for Disney. And I always mm -hmm. tell people, I go, you know, you learn a lot from that company. You really Absolutely. do. And I, we especially have grown from that because we, we have built our brand to be the way, you know, Disney kind of builds their brand and it's been hugely successful. Yes. And it's, it's just, awesome. a, yes, it's just amazing. So my question to you is first of all, Disney's in your blood, uh, obviously, but what, at what point do, did you feel like, okay, well, this is the company that I want to go work for. Yeah. You know, it, it was never, I was talking to someone uh, last week and we were talking about the first time, our first Disney experience. And they talked about how they grew up and it was a family tradition. And you know, the first time I ever went to Walt Disney world was when I was 19 years old on the college program. 
I'd never yeah. been to Walt Disney World. Wow. And uh, when uh, I was growing up, when my, my dad uh, was with um, Hilton when I was young, we lived in Van Nuys for a year, a year and a half. And I think I was maybe three. And I remember, it's funny how you have these, these memories from being a little kid. And I remember like the rocket garden or the rockets in Tomorrowland. Uh-huh. And I remember Pirates, Pirates of the Caribbean they took me on. And I remember that drop off was like the, it was like this gigantic waterfall. Yes. Uh-huh. And when, when I went back when I was 19 and rode it again, I was terrified. And I'm like, that was it. <laughs> like, <laughs> but it seems a lot further when you're three. Right. Um, but, uh, you know, I, the, the first, um, I guess, you know, when I was in college, I was working and I, I waited tables in, um, in the summer and I waited tables at a bar up in Boston. And I really enjoyed I enjoyed that. I enjoyed serving people. I enjoyed the kind of adrenaline rush of being so busy all the time. And then um, I had an opportunity to come down the college program, and it just seemed to fit. Um, as I, I, I'm a big believer of, you know, you got to stack the deck in your favor, and you got to find out what you're good at and get in those environments where you get to be who you really are. Absolutely. Um, and um, serving people for me was always something I enjoyed. I played sports growing up, and I loved interacting with um, teammates and that kind of thing. Um, and then I always worked in, you know, when I was 16, I worked in a toy store and waited tables and I was always doing service kind of things. And I just enjoyed making people happy, I guess. And yeah, I didn't call yeah. it that back then, but that seemed to, to be the thing I loved to do. So um, when I got out of college, you know, I, had, I still had no clue what I wanted to do. And it seemed like, well, I, I liked working on the college program. That seemed like a great place to be. And it looks like there's a lot of opportunities to learn and it's an incredible, has incredible reputation. Why not go do that until I figure out what I want to do? And, um, you know, went down to 91 and started parking cars at Epcot. And that was the first time. And that was just like, I never really questioned it again. It always seemed like a place to be. And I got, I had 19 different jobs when I was there. So it's not like I ever got bored. There was always something else to do, something else to go learn. And as you all said, the people there, I mean, you're just challenged every day. It's, um, I always talk to people about, you know, you're, when you work in a world-class organization that's performing such a high level every day with such high expectations, you go in and you, you're all in every single day. Mm-hmm. So it's, uh, yeah. It, and, but you get and you get addicted to that. You get really drawn in by wow, I'm I'm doing some, and it's I guess we we call it. It's kind of like the the boiling pot of a lobster. You put them in when the water's cold. It doesn't feel that way. And, it, it, and then so you just get used to being in scalding hot water. It doesn't feel that hard after yep. a while. But when people come in externally, they're like, man, this place is crazy. You're like, yeah, that's what we do here. You know, it's exactly. kind of like it becomes yep. normal. Yep. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And it's it's so true. It's a family. And, you know, it's a lifelong family. And the 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 interesting thing of it is, is we've built that relationship from back in 1998 when I started. Yep. Likewise. And, you know, yep continued on until the last few years that we were with the company. And it's amazing because during that time period, you're watching like a person like George, who was the recent VP of uh, Disney World. We knew George for a while because, you know, George hadn't climbed. He climbed, but he hadn't gone, you know, up until at that level. And it's like, wow, it's amazing to see these people grow and how quick they grow. Mm -hmm. And it's and that's the beauty part about that company is especially at Disney World, where we got to, when we felt we were burnt out in one location, 
we've had the beauty part of moving and the beauty part of going to a different department, a different location, a different park, resorts, whatever it was, you had that right. that beautiful ability to do that. And dude, I took advantage of that a lot because I felt that the best way to grow with the company is to know everything that the company had to offer. And mm -hmm. that was exactly what I did. I think the first few years that I started with the company, and of course, this was a time that I guess Animal Kingdom was a little bit more flexible than what Disney is now, where we were able to cross train at different locations um, mm -hmm. and stay there for a little while. So at that point, I took advantage of guest relations, food and beverage, um, you know, attractions. I took advantage of all these different areas because I'm like, okay, well, I want to, I want to learn it. I want to know it because if I want to go somewhere with this business, I have, I want to be able to be prepared to know it all. And so I did. Right. And that was the beauty part it's, that it's, Disney gave. It's a, yeah, it's a great, I mean, it's a great philosophy. And I don't think it's just for work. I think just in general, um, and my wife Valerie and I, as we get older, we're just realizing how important, well, I've always known this, but now it's really, um, you know, just turned 51. I'm like experiences, diverse experiences. Mm -hmm. um, the only reason I get to do what I do now is because I was open to do all these different things when I was working at Disney. And it, when you're, when you're flexible and you're open-minded and you're willing to be, try new things and accept new things and learn new things, uh, more and more doors open. And once again, it, you have lots more options and it makes life a lot more fun and more interesting. You meet so many more people and, you know, because we're creatures of habit, you get used to a certain way to do things and you learn it that way. And it's, it's hard to change how you think about things. So I think constantly traveling, getting new jobs, challenging yourself and doing new things, it takes a lot of energy and stress. But boy, the payoffs are, you know, and you look back, you're like, wow, look at all this I've done. You know, it's because it's, it's, at the end of our lives, when, when everything's said and done, all we have is the experiences we had and who we, who we, who we met, met and impacted. And, you know, everything else you leave behind. Absolutely. Exactly. And I think there was a one time where you were at Rollins College and you were giving a presentation. And one thing that really just struck a bond with me is you were talking about your experiences at Disneyland Paris and how you went into it not really knowing how to speak French, you know, and that mm -hmm. you were parking uh, cars over there and that you could have gone into it with two different mindsets. One, either, yeah. oh my gosh, I know nothing, you know, what a challenge, or you're going to have a really fun experience over there. And right. I agree with the second one, you know, having a really fun experience. And that why I bring this up, because you were talking about the open experiences, and I so can relate yep. to that. I, I admire you for that, actually. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, and that's how I was raised. It's and that's how we raised our kids. You, you know, we're going to travel. You're going to we're going to expose you lots of stuff. Um, you always have to take a bite. If you don't like it, then you don't eat anymore. But you got to try everything. And our kids kind of that's how I was raised. That's how our, our kids were raised. And it's when you do that, you're you realize that you know what? Why not open your mind and try things? And and uh, that's that was key to living in another country. You you can't you can't uh, kind of um, crawl into your shell you got to get out there and take it all in and you because when you do that you acclimate much faster and you learn you learn the language you learn the culture and you accelerate the rate at which you're able to kind of operate again normally but it's counterintuitive because as adults we're supposed to not make mistakes and we're supposed to not put ourselves out or be embarrassed about 
and not right. knowing a word or not doing that. And that's why you know, children are so much better at learning than adults because they don't care. They're like, yeah, I'll try something. If I fail, I'll try it again until I get it right. And you know, they don't think twice about that. But we lose that somewhere along the line as we get older. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. Yeah. So here's a curiosity question. What would you say would be the key thing that a former cast member learns from Disney that they always end up taking with them no matter where they go after Disney? Does that make sense? Wow. Yeah, it does. There's there's so many things. Yeah, the irony was when I left Disney, it took me a few months to figure out what I knew because after being there 26 years, I'm like, well, I, I, I know stuff, but everyone knows this. And what yeah. you start realizing is the way Disney operates and the way they do things is not intuitive always. And what I find myself now when I'm talking to companies, um, you know, there's a lot of value that former cast members have talking to people about how to operate their businesses. And it, a lot of it's grounded in the simplicity of it. Because I think a lot of people look at Disney like, wow, that must be the secret complex formula of how you're so successful. And what I tell them is, no, it's actually not. It's the fact we focus on the basics and the simple things and getting the simple things right is what makes our business really great. And a lot of people don't realize that. They just think there must be a trick. There must be a silver bullet or something. It's because you have Mickey Mouse, you're so successful. It's like, oh, you know, Chuck E. Cheese existed. He was a mouse too. And they didn't do as well. <laughs> yes. The mouse is not the magical thing. It's how we think about doing things. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I think one, one thing is probably um, how much, um, I don't think people realize how much Disney uh, designs the experience, how much yes. thought goes in to every piece of it. And you all work there. You know that. It's like when you're a greeter, where do you stand? Uh-huh. What do you say? Yes. Do you have the right color shoes on? Do you have yep. the right color socks? Do you have your name tag? All yep. the details mm-hmm. count. And um, I've taken that away from me way for, since I've left, but it's so important and my standards are really high because I was raised in an environment where you have high standards and you pay attention to details. Um, so I think that was a big thing. I think the other thing with Hoobs is uh, at Disney, no matter how high you move in the organization, you never get anything done by yourself. Yeah, and yes. now that I'm out, an entrepreneur, my wife and I are running our own company. I'm like, I, I know that. And so I'm realized, you know, all the, all the relationships I've built and I'm building now are going to help me help me help people and they're going to help me. And, um, you know, I'm not, I've kind of let go of my ego and I'm like, I'm not trying to be out there and get it done by myself. No one gets anything done by themselves. And the sooner you realize that, the sooner you're going to open yourself up and you're going to collaborate and you're going to be willing to help people, not because you're going to get a payback, but because this is how I'm a big believer in karma. You help people and it comes back to you 10 times, Uh Um, but you have to, you have to go into it and be open-minded to help people. And I think at Disney, that's one of the reasons it runs so well because everyone individually performs so well, but there's such a sense of teamwork and, and watching each other's backs and helping each other. And uh, that's uh, that doesn't exist in a lot of companies. A lot of companies that say, you know, let's just get ahead, take care of yourself, don't worry about anyone else. But I don't think you can become a great company if you don't support individual performance and team performance. I agree yeah, with you completely, 100%. And, you know, talking about all of those elements, you know, costume, just being out there, you know, being that front line and um, experience I had when I was a greeter um, at Backstage with Mickey at Town Square Theater was that, you know what, even though I have this outfit, you know, and they're not there to see me, they're there to see my pal Mickey. But the fact that mm-hmm. I'm the one that gets all those guests 
prepped up and that magic ready for them to meet with Mickey, it is a process, but the guests don't know that. They're just there to have fun because they're on vacation. And when I was there talking about leadership, uh, Drew Cobb was an amazing man. Um, I'm sure he's moved up way in ranks in the company now. But um, I was going through a really, really tough time, and he opened me up to new experiences and new perspectives. And I still admire him for that till this very day. And it's good leadership. Yep. Yeah. It's very good leadership. And, you know, I, yep. I've worked for several different companies uh, within Disney and even outside of Disney and since Disney. And the one key thing I always said is I have to be able to trust my management. And if I can't trust my management, then this is just not going to work. Because, you know, you if you don't, you're going to go in there and you're going to fear every single day. And Mm -hmm. it's interesting that you said what you said, because um, back when in the early years of uh, working with Disney and when I ended up leaving at one point and then took a break and then came back, I worked for another company and I'm I'm not going to criticize because we do a lot of work with them, too. But. Uh, if you catch where I'm going with their philosophy was we will win. And that was their goal for mm-hmm. the longest time yeah. is we will win. And I go, that's a great philosophy to have, but at the same time, it's the wrong philosophy to have because you're not going to, you're, you're not going to really outbeat the best unless you know how to outbeat the best and what makes them the best. And mm-hmm. that's one thing that I always, I, I always treasured with it. And two, it kind of goes back down to that leadership. Again, you have to have that bond and that trust. And a lot of management at Disney did that. Whereas at some of these other locations, it was here you come in, get the job done, and you do it. And in fact, one of those executives at that other company, I had a meeting with them and we talked and we talked and she knew I had a lot of experience and work with Disney. And the one thing she said, and I always use it to this (laughs) point because I laughed at her when she said it. She goes, that's something about Disney that they just, we just can't get it right is the fact that they make a lot of money. And I told her, I said, <laughs> I go, well, that's because they know what they're doing and you don't. And I go, that's the key. And she just looked at me and it's true. It is true because one, Disney's been doing it for years, but they do go into detail. They yes. do take a lot of time mm-hmm. into figuring out how's this going to work. You know, how is this going to fit the brand? So I agree yeah. with you on that one. Well, not only that, but even with my experience with Drew, he took time out of his leadership day to find out my background. You know, how am I doing? You know, that mm-hmm. wasn't typical for me in a yeah. working situation. And the fact that he did that, that showed, hey, you know what? That means a lot. Absolutely. And that opened me up a lot as well. Absolutely. And and you talk about that in the uh, the speech over at the college. And the one thing you talk about is um, the gap. Do you know what I'm talking about? Sure. Yes. Explain Absolutely. that to me. We, we, of course, know what it is. But we want our listeners to get an idea on what you mean about the gap. Yeah. Yeah, well, the concept of the gap is... Um, there is what we want to be, what we want our reputation to be, how we want people to see us, how we want to live our lives. And then there's the things we actually do towards that goal. And often there's a gap. And that's part of, you know, discipline. It's part of being a, 
a human and, you know, over time trying to meet goals. Right. But, you know, some people, and at the base level, I'll say, you know, um, I want to, you know, I'm exhausted. I really, I'm only getting six hours of sleep every night and I really want to feel better. Well, um, how many, uh, how many hours are you sleeping? Well, yeah, only six. Well, why are you staying up two hours past watching YouTube every night? If you went to bed two hours earlier, you'd get eight hours of sleep. You'd feel better. So the gap is I want to feel better, but I'm not getting enough sleep. Uh, another thing is, you know, I want to be fit and have a lot of energy. All right. Well, what do you eat? And do you exercise? So the gap is you want to be this way, but you're doing this. And so how are you going to bridge that? Um, you know, I want to be, I want to be known as a, a really great leader and I want to help, you know, improve people's performance and, and really you know, lift morale here. Okay. Then do you ever go out into walk around the park? Do you have an open door policy? Do you make it easy for people to access you so that you can talk about what's going on? So um, it's just, I think the main thing is, uh, a lot of people tell themselves a lot of stories of what they want to do or what they want to be. And then it's easy to make a list of reasons they weren't able to get there. But, you know, if you really are serious about, um, you know, making progress, you got to figure out what your goals are. And then you actually have to do things that are going to demonstrate working towards those things. Just thinking about it isn't going to get you anywhere. You got to actually right. do something. Um, I, I've, I've, I've heard a story before where people say, you know, well, um, you know, people, you talk, you hear about people that are a hundred pounds overweight. It's like they want to get fit. And someone says, you know what, just in the morning, get out of bed, walk downstairs to the front door. That's your workout today. Do that for a week. And tomorrow go put your shoe, go, get out of your bed, go downstairs and put your tennis shoes on. That's all you're going to do that week. And the next week, walk downstairs, put your tennis shoes on and walk out to your curb and walk back again. That's going to be your workout. If you can just do that, you're going to lose weight. You're going to feel better. You're going to get fit because you've decided you're creating a habit and you're actually doing something about it now. And the more you do, the more wins you get under your belt and the more confidence you get and the more you see that you actually can make a change and you start going from there. And you can apply that to math. You can apply that to your relationships, to being fit, whatever you want to look at. It's about doing stuff. Um, and uh, there's just an accountability there. Um, I think you know, if you if uh, if you talk about it, then go ahead and do it. So really quick, this idea of the gap, I love because uh, it, it 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 applies to businesses too. I used to think about that. People would watch the commercial on TV at Walt Disney World. They'd see Mickey Mouse. It's sunny. It's not raining. Everyone has my reservation. Um, and then I show up, and is that image of what I was expecting the same when I get there? And if there's if even if it's a, it's incredible image and you get a credible experience, if that experience doesn't live up to what you thought it was going to be, you're, um, you know, you're let down a little bit. And so that was always the challenge with great products and great brands. And Disney's one of them. We make such a huge promise to people. Um, and I know working at Disney, we always say, why does people expect so much? Man, they, they're out of control, these guests. Well, we, we created that expectation for them. We created the expectation that this was a magical place. And they are going to have this great experience. And every time they come back, it's going to get better. And that's a big challenge. But that's why the company has done so well, because we, are, we stepped up and said, we are always going to make it better. We're always going to try to make that gap smaller and smaller. And hopefully, we're going to get an overlap. We're going to deliver more than you expect. When you do that, that's when you, know, you make a lot of money. But you don't focus on making the money. You focus on excellent experiences. Yes. That leads to people coming back again, recommending you. And that's how business grows. Yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Now, did you going from parking and then doing park international parking, as you put it, <laughs> which I love. Yeah. Uh, did you ever plan it in your head that um, the VP was your goal? No, no way. No, it was. It, no, it was just um, my thing was always. Uh, I don't know what I want to do. Disney seems to be an environment that I enjoy. I'd worked in an investment bank in college for a summer and just was uh -huh. miserable. Um, I'd done a couple other jobs and realized those weren't the jobs I wanted to do. And so, you know, my, my, my parents always taught me just when you get the job, do the best you can at what you're doing, no matter what it is, uh, and keep learning, keep learning. And so it never, you know, I never had, I never had a long-term plan. And, you know, and, and when you're a frontline manager, you look at a you know a a, a a a senior manager, an executive, or a vice president. You're like, oh, there's no way, you know. Yeah. But then you realize as time goes on, well, someone has to do that job. Right. <laughs> they have to come from somewhere, and these people have gone and they started on the front line just like you have. And there's no reason you can't go and do that also. Um, so my my the idea I had was always I don't know what I want to do in the future, but I want to have plenty of options. And so I'm going to keep moving and I'm going to keep moving around. And I'm going to keep doing new jobs. And the only criteria I had is, is, am I going to learn more about it? Am I going to learn something new? And that led me from working at the main interest to ticketing, to guest relations, to food and beverage, to human resources. And then, you know, I was in parks for a long time. I worked in the resorts, hotels for six years. And when you take all those experiences, they all build on each other. You know, I learned so much about attention to detail in resorts because a hotel room, you know, as I, as I like to tell people, I've never had a guest talk to me for an hour about having seeing a little piece of hair on Main Street, USA. But I've certainly had that conversation with someone who had a piece of hair in their bathtub in a hotel room because the attention to detail is such a high level. And so a lot of times you take all these experiences and they build on each other. And over time, you get, you know, you keep working, you keep doing what you know how to do, you keep getting more experience. Uh, experience lets you deal with bigger issues and get more confidence. And uh, you get to a point where all of a sudden you're on a short list of people that could be considered for a, another higher level job. And those jobs are never guaranteed. And sometimes it's luck and timing. And there's a lot of things that go into that. But, um, you know, the main thing from my point of view is always learning new things because, I wanted to be sure if I ever got to that level, I wouldn't get overwhelmed. I'd know how to do the job. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, when I got when I got back to Epcot as a vice president, I'd park cars there. I'd been a guest service manager, frontline manager in guest relations there. Um, I had sold tickets there. Um, I'd done a lot of jobs. I'd worked in a fast food there. I'd been an operations manager there. So there's a lot of stuff I'd done there. And so when I got there, it wasn't like brand new. I'm like, okay, I know how a lot of these businesses run and there's a lot I still need to learn, but um, I'm qualified for this. And then yeah. you figure it out and you do your next thing. And the higher you get, the more you're counting on the people around you to do their jobs because you need talented people because you know, these parks are big places. And even yeah. the vice president has minimum impact every day. It's like, it's not up to them to do a great job. It's up to the, like, you know, 6,000 cast members working to do a great job. So you start to learn as you get higher in the organization, um, how you get things done is less important and what you're focusing on becomes more important. Where are you spending your time to get the whole team to get the maximum value out of what they're doing? And you become a cheerleader. You become a, 
uh, someone who's uh, holding people accountable and giving feedback. You become someone who helps think about the future. So your job changes, um, but you're you're still pulling upon all those learnings you had over your years of experience to to figure out what to do. Absolutely, mm-hmm. absolutely. And the good thing about the way you did a lot of your leadership is you would walk the parks. You would actually go out in the parks and just observe in some instances. So when you was that a priority to you or was that one of your highlights of what you wanted to do for the day? Well, it was probably both. Um, it was, you know, as we talked about before, what do you want your reputation to be? And I knew that I wanted my reputation to be someone who is accessible and approachable because the higher you move in an organization, typically you become less accessible and you become less approachable because people are intimidated by your title Right. They're you know afraid to talk to you, and I just knew that um, at the end of the day, where the moment of truth happened, where our guests were deciding whether they were having an excellent experience or not, it was not, had nothing to do with my office. It had nothing to do who, with who I was. It had everything to do with every cast member they were interacting with, and so it just was not only something I love doing. I love interacting with all the employees and out there, but it was just a good business sense. It was a good business plan because I knew that if I could listen to the people doing the frontline jobs. A, I could hear what's on their minds and make sure we're giving them all the tools they needed and all the training and everything they needed to do their jobs. But also, it was a role model. I was role modeling that. And so I I knew the managers were watching me. And they're like, well, all right, if Dan can get out here as a vice president, we can probably be out here more also. So people just start to emulate a lot of times. They're looking at leadership. They're looking for role models. And if they see people role modeling that, they're more likely to do it. It's easier to influence them to do that. And uh, that was part of the, one of the big strategies also. I wanted people to see that this is important to me. It should be important to you. Because when you're accessible, you learn about problems. You learn about oh, issues. Yes. You know what's going on. And mm-hmm. you have an opportunity to make things better quickly and not just rely on reports or secondhand information. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's funny. We can say this. and It is ironic. But um, at one of the parks that you were there with, it was interesting because – when the managers would all be on the floor, you'd be the first thing that somebody would say, Oh, Dan must be walking the park because they're all out. And, you know, and then eventually they just started doing it. And it was like, Oh, well, we haven't seen or heard that Dan's out in the park, but they're all out in the park. Okay. This is an adjustment. Not that we were doing anything wrong, but the fact that they could be interactive with us and understand us a little bit better because I always noticed that when they did the meetings with the, the staff in the mornings, um, they or before shifts, however, which, which way it was, I always, I always found that the top thing that some of the managers had difference was with the cast members was they didn't meet in the middle because the cast members would say, well, this is what is happening, and the managers would think it's something else. And it's like, well... You need to be on the floor more to see exactly what right. is going on in order for you to be able to get a precise understanding of how we feel about it. So it was definitely yeah. a challenge. Yeah. And it's funny. You hear some people say sometimes, you know, how you judge a leader, it's not how well the place performs when they're there. It's how well the place performs when they're not there. And I, I used to say that for a long time. I said, wait a second. The place should be better when you're around. Why would it be better when you're not around? Because if you're really a positive leader and you're showing up, at your point, when, you know, when someone of authority shows up, everyone is on their toes and 
maybe they're doing things they weren't doing before, but that's fine because that's how we are. When we have someone to push us to be better, we get better. And so I think a lot of people are like, oh, they roll their eyes. Well, yeah, the vice president's walking around, so everyone is out in the park. Well, yeah, and that's what the vice president's job is to do, is to get people to do that. And over time, convince them that this is the right way to run their business. And hopefully that starts happening. But um, I just that, that's such an important piece. People, are they learn by watching. You know, that's how we raise kids. They, they watch us, and they, they emulate us. And, uh, and, you know, and it comes you know, I watch my boss. It gives that trust, and you create that you, – you, you build that trust because over time when managers are non-existent in shifts, then they lose that trust in one another because it's like, oh, okay, well, you know, such and such is never around, so why would I – trust anything that they say, mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? So they build right. that trust. And, you know, again, yeah. we've had ups and downs with different areas and, and every sure. business does not just Disney in particular, but the sure. one thing that I, I loved about the different areas of managers is you guys did switch management around every so often. And as sometimes we hated that as cast because it was yeah. you got used to a great manager and yeah. then all of a sudden, bam, they're at another location. And then you sent me this right. and it, it was it right. was really it was really hard to adjust with. But at the same time, it was good because it it recreated the challenge in a sense. And that mm -hmm. was something that kept us all fresh, especially at Crystal Palace. And, you know, because Crystal yeah. Palace yep. has a lot of my crew would hate me for saying this, but oldies, there are people that have been there for mm -hmm. years and, you know, it's like a legendary place. And that was the one yeah. thing that they always said when I walked in there and they're like, oh, well, we go through managers like crazy over here. And it's like, is that a good right. thing or a bad thing? They go, it depends. It could be a great thing, but it just depends. So, and eventually right. as time went on, we did, and we saw some of the best managers and we saw some bad ones, but you could tell right. the difference from the managers that really wanted to make a difference there compared yeah. to the managers that treated it as a job, you know? Okay, yes. yeah. People say, you know, what's the morale at Walt Disney World? I'm like, well, tell me who your boss is, and I'll tell you what the morale is. You know, it's yeah. it's not mm -hmm. one thing. There's all these little microcultures going on in these, these smaller areas, and depending on who is running the area and how they're valuing their people and interacting with them, it can be – Crystal Palace could be one thing, and Casey's Corner right next door could be a whole different world because oh, yeah, yeah. it's just up to the leaders to create the right environment, the right culture. Absolutely. So let me ask you this. Uh, personally, not on a, a business scent, personally, what would you say your favorite Disney park would be? Boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I guess what I have to – I have to – you know, I, lo I love studios. I love the feel of the studios, yes. that old – Hollywood. I really enjoy that theming. Um, but um, when it comes to me per personally, just my the impact of my life, Epcot. Um, so, you know, Epcot was um, when I was, um, my first job was in the parking lot and that was my first full-time job there. Um, I was a frontline manager there and worked in guest relations. Uh -huh. um, I was an operations manager there, and I ran the American Adventure and the Japanese Pavilion and eventually the German and uh, Italian Pavilions. I opened Test Track. Um, I ran Future World, um, and then I left there. My wife worked at the French Pavilion back in 1987 for a year on the fellowship wow. program. 
she ran uh, assortment planning for merchandise there during the Millennium Celebration. Uh, my son, my oldest son, Julian, waited tables at the French Pavilion for a summer. My daughter, Margot, worked in horticulture, and a big part of where they worked was Epcot. And uh, let me see. I think that was it. Tristan, our youngest son, worked at Cosmic Rays over Christmas. He said, I want, I want to be busy. I'm like, all right, I know a place. And uh, we sent him over there. But uh, anyway, Epcot is such a special place. I know they're trying to figure out future world and what they're going to do with that. But the world showcase for me is the soul of that park. And there's yes, just so much yes. great things there. The, the international cultures, people coming together, learning about other cultures. I mean, it's such a, it's such a special place. It is. it is. And you know, a friend of ours who we've had on this show, she, Carol Hennessy, she did uh, Carolyn Hennessy, yes. actually, we call her Carol. Uh, she did a voice for a uh, cranium command. Yeah. Oh yeah. Really? Yeah. She did a voice for that. And we were like, she's like, Oh, I did voices for Epcot. And I'm like, what did you do voices for at Epcot? And then she told me, I'm like, oh, I forgot about Cranium Command. It's been closed for so many years. I know, so. that was a great attraction. Oh, it was. It totally, totally was. So here's uh, really quick. Here's a good question. Now that uh, we're dealing with this pandemic, do you think that the culture brand of Disney is going to change a little bit? Or do you think it'll eventually go back to the way it originated? You know, um, the, the thing I've seen about uh, Disney has been, uh, you think about, you know, as we know, the four keys, safety, courtesy, show efficiency. Yes. Right. You think about, you know, our goal is to entertain people and you know, create these memories for people. Um, that's what Walt Disney started out with. Um, I think that's what, you know, Michael Eisner brought back and eventually Bob Iger. Um, you know, there's every company has ups and downs and tries new things and, you're really trying to navigate a more complex world and people's expectations change, but those seem like such great basics. And so I would tell you, whatever the new leadership and management coming in, um, you know, there, there's, it's a complicated business and they're going to have to think through a lot of those things, but if they just keep top of mind, safety is number one, courtesy is number two, putting on a great show is number three and being really efficient and, and really um, at what we do if they keep those in mind and they just keep reminding everyone we are here to make people happy, they'll be fine. Um, and uh, once again, it's, it, you can you can drift away from that sometimes, but it always seems like there's leaders that come in to get people refocused on that. And if they can do that, I think they'll be great. Absolutely. You know, it's interesting you bring up those four keys because, again, this is going back to when you did that Rollins College presentation, but you were talking about how taking care of yourself first is your first priority in life mm -hmm. and so i yep. when you were talking about that i thought safety well safety is taking care of yourself and courtesy yep. is taking care of your family you know being courteous and kind and efficiency sure. is your career you know be efficient in what you do and then of course the last key you know so i mean they're yeah. yes they're the four keys for disney but really it's almost or exactly the same thing in life Absolutely. Interesting. I've never thought about it in that way, but yeah, it's, uh, it's such a, you know, everyone I talk to says, you know, I said, what do you think my number one priority is? So your family, I said, yeah, obviously I, I should say that, but I'm not, it's me because if, you know, if I, if I take care of myself, I feel good about myself. I'm healthy. Um, I can be handling stress the right way. I'm organized. I'll be much better 
a much better father, a much better husband, a much better son, a much better boss. And uh, a lot of people skip that step and they go right to trying to be great at other things, but they don't take a step back and just slow down to make sure they're in the best shape to compete. You know, athletes understand this concept, but somehow working, we don't always follow the same rules and we burn ourselves out and then everything else starts to fall apart because we haven't taken care of ourselves. So uh, I think it's, it's, it's a real important concept. Absolutely. Well, really quick, I do want to, I do want you to talk a little bit about uh, your book. Tell me about your book. Yeah. So, um, the book, um, it was, uh, two years in the making and, um, my, you know, I was talking to my wife the other night. I'm like, when I get the reprint, I got to get your name on the cover. She wrote half of it. Um, <laughs> so when I got burnt out, she's like, all right, I need a story. I need a story about this. And she wrote it and there's, and our daughter read it. She goes, I can tell which parts you wrote. I can tell what parts my mom wrote. Uh-huh. <laughs> she, she knows our voices, but, um, it really is a, um, it's a compilation of, um, four key areas that I realized are important working at Disney. The first one is about leading yourself. Second section of the book is about leading a team. The third section is leading an organization. And the fourth section is leading change. And then each section has five or six chapters. And, um, you know, each chapter I share really specific stories. Uh, the editor told me, look, um, every, a lot of people have written about what you're writing about. So you better have some great stories in there to show what you're mean. And so I've taken personal life stories and professional stories and put them in there to make a point. And then um, every chapter ends with uh, fast track to results, which is basically, as we talked before, if you want to be a better communicator, here's six things you can start doing tomorrow. Oh. If you want to be a better collaborator, here's six things you can do tomorrow to start that. If you want to become uh, more healthy, Here's six things you can start. So I go from the story to the philosophical to the very specific tactical piece. So I'm hoping people use it as a guide to say, okay, I want to get started and here's what I can start doing and start forming new habits to do these things. So that's the book. It's called How's the Culture in Your Kingdom? Um, and it, and when I talk about that, I talk about the culture. Not a, you know, Your kingdom can be work. It can be your house. It can be your church. It can be your club. Wherever you're spending time with people is a kingdom. And uh, whether you're a formal leader or not, everybody has an opportunity to influence the culture where they are. And uh, that's the theme of the book. Absolutely. And it can be found on Amazon or is it available in other locations? Um, The ebook is available today on Amazon. Um, I'm selling them on my website, um, Uh culture-kingdom.com. And uh, I have some digital bonuses I put on there if people want to buy them. Or if they just go to dancockrell.com, uh, there's a link that goes back to that. And I'm uh, selling them author's copies. I sign every copy. Absolutely. Yeah. So real quick, one last thing I have to ask you. Of course, I'm curious at this because of our own personal experiences. Have you or and how many times have you got lost in that godforsaken tunnel? <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you, I um down to where Main Street is. Um, I, well, you can ask my wife, I just have a terrible sense of direction. I mean, usually when I'm going somewhere, my first instinct is just go the other way because I know I'm wrong. And, uh, I would get turned around back down there. And the cool thing was engineering. Finally, they said, well, if you want to find our office, just follow the wrenches on the floor, like breadcrumbs. But, uh, yeah, that, that I was pretty good the rest of the tunnel, but that main street area that I would get 
turned around all the time. And the good thing about that place is just keep walking and you'll come back to where you are. So you go to this big circle. Yes. Well, Main Street didn't really bother me too, too much. And I knew exactly where your office was, actually, because I had, I had to go up there for some reason at, at another point of my career. And I'm like, oh, whose offices are these? And, and that's when I knew that that's, uh, you weren't there at the time. But uh, Main Street right. never bothered me. I always got lost in Tomorrowland. Me too, because yeah. Because it felt like Tomorrowland just kept going, going. and going yep. and going. That's a, long, that's a long hallway. It is. Yes, <laughs> it is. So that's why I would always avoid um, Tomorrowland unless I was on a cart. Because <laughs> I'm, like, no, I'm not doing that. But, um, but in any sense. Well, Dan, thank you so much for being on our show. We really appreciate your time. And, you know, it... Um, you are such an inspiration to not just us, but to many. And we are glad that we were able to share this experience with our many, many fans out yes. in the world. Just to, you know, give you a great name out there and show, you know, really, it's you that kind of built Chris and Will in a sense. Uh -huh. And yep. kind of built us and showed us how to be a brand for ourselves, how to be a leader for our team. Quality and too, definitely. Absolutely. So we appreciate that to the max. Well, I appreciate that. I love your energy. You just keep leading with that optimism and positivity and good things will happen. So that's uh, it's a great thing to have during these times. Well, thank you so yes, much. Yes, that means a lot, a, Dan. Thank you so absolutely. much. Absolutely. Well, Dan, you guys take care. Good. I hope everyone out there stays safe. Direct from the Magic Kingdom to out in the world, he brings his amazing work ethics to all of us. Yes, and you know, I remember working with him too. A great season three start. Of course, but we do want to thank Dan for coming on our show and kicking off another great season of What About Our Life with Chris and Will. Yes, and don't forget, tell everyone to follow us and you know, all the exciting stuff that's happening, it's coming soon. Keep in touch, as I'd like to say. Uh-huh, and you know what? We have our websites too, chrisandwill.com, yeah. and of course, Instagram at chris.and.will. And don't forget, try out our other websites at christopherlancy.com. That's my personal website. And of course, our wonderful company website, callynewyork.com. We do want to thank you guys for joining us. We thank Dan for joining us. And we thank everybody for keeping us going. Yes, we so appreciate you guys. Please join us again soon for another great episode. We're going to see you back here for another great episode of What About Our Life with Chris and Will. But for now, take care of yourself. Remember, we do love you. We thank you all. And remember to love yourself and the world will love you in return. Love and happiness. For now, we must go. Bye. Bye. Today's episode was a Chris Will production, broadcasted live on several media platforms. Show host Christopher L. Ante and William Ramos Jr. Show guest Dan Cockrell. Show introduction voiceover Tony Ross. Produced by Chris Will, a Cali, New York company. Copyright Chris Will. All rights reserved. ChrisandWill.com for contact details. Produced October 2020.